So this morning, we're going to be continuing our series focused on love in the Bible. And I know you're like, I thought you were going to wrap that up in February, Pastor. Well, after praying about it and really thinking about it, it really kind of lended itself to going right up to Palm Sunday and Easter. Because if you think about it, when we get to that story in the Bible, that time in history, there is no greater showing of um, sacrificial love from our Savior than Him coming to earth and dying on the cross for us. So we're going to take the next couple weeks. We started two weeks ago looking at, as believers and as a church, we have the love of Christ within us. And that there's some things that should be evident with that. And the first one we looked at is evangelism. And how both individually but as a body of believers, we need to be sharing the word of God, the love of Christ with the lost. And this week, we're going to be looking at service. How do we serve the body of Christ? How do we serve those around us? And a verse that came to my mind um, this week was 1 Peter 2.9, and it tells us here, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And one of the ways that we proclaim the excellencies and the love of God is by operating in love ourselves. And we established a few weeks ago that it is not possible for a church or a believer to be marked by the love of God without experiencing the love of God. If you have not experienced it, there's no way you're going to be able to show it. And everything that goes on within our lives and our church, every single little thing must originate out of the love of God. And this morning, we're going to dive into what does it mean to have service as an evident part of our life? What does that mean? And we look back at 1 Corinthians 16, 15, back at um, Stephanus and his family, and this verse tells us, Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. That last verse, so they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Why is that important? Well, what's interesting here is that Stephanus and his family, after they were saved and baptized and were part of this church, they were never officially appointed or assigned to a certain area of service. They, they chose themselves to devote themselves to serving the church, to serving the saints. Another way to put it is they were completely self-motivated. They saw the need, they felt that desire, and they did it. They just took the initiative. And when it comes to the work of the ministry within the church, it belongs to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us sitting here, each and every person that will watch or listen to this, it belongs to you. If you are a follower of Christ, the work of the ministry belongs to you. We don't have to wait for somebody to appoint us to something. When it comes to people serving here at this church, there is always an opportunity to serve. I'm, like I've said it from time like different times, there's always an opportunity to serve. Just come and ask. Or if you see the need, fill it. I'm not going like, to say, oh, hey, like, that's not for you to do. If the Lord has put it on your heart, do it. Even if you don't think there's a way for you to serve, I want to encourage you. There is. 
Come see me after service. Talk with my wife. We would love to be able to sit down, hear your heart. Because here's the thing. God may be putting things on some of your hearts that, for all you know, it could be on our hearts, and then all of a sudden our hearts align, and then there we go. Or you could come and say, Pastor, I've been thinking about a way I can serve the church, and I'd be like, I never thought about that. That's wonderful. If the Lord has put it on your heart, he will help you bring it to fruition. Even if it's an area of ministry we haven't launched, maybe God is putting it on your heart for this reason, for you to be the one to lead it. And I know that's scary for some people. But if the Lord is putting it on your heart, he will help you. There's that saying, the Lord does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. When it comes to the people who serve in the church, and like with Stephanus and his family, there, was not, there weren't these groups. We don't want to have those who serve and those who watch. We don't want to end up being a bunch of sanctified spectators who just come out to church and say, well, somebody else will fill in the gap. That's not how it works. Even from back in the early church, People saw a need, and they filled it, and they served. Doing the Lord's work in the Lord's way is everybody's responsibility. If you have the love of Christ, then somehow, some way, you will be involved in serving the body of Christ to some degree. And as we move forward as a church, we're, we're looking for individuals who are faithful and who take that self-initiative. And if you're looking to get just appointed to a, a, a position of ministry— it's not going to happen overnight. You have to show yourself faithful. Take that initiative, and then the Lord will bless that. And then the Lord will bless it with bigger and better things. You have to start somewhere. I heard a pastor once, he told me, he said, as the pastor of the church, if you are not even willing to get on your knees and scrub a toilet, then you don't even have any business being up in that pulpit leading those people. You need to take the, and that resonated with me when he said that. Because I'm like, there are some pastors that will just walk into church and be like, my call and responsibility is to preach the word, and that is it. And be in an office, and that is it. But there's more to it than that. And the same goes for all of us. There's more to it than just showing up on Sunday and being like, okay, I'm here. There's different things that can be done. Serving comes by self-initiation. And we see that through Stephanus and his family. They took the initiative to start serving and serve the saints. We need, to keep, we need to keep 1 Corinthians 16, 14 in mind where it says, let all that, you be, all that you do be done in love, even when it comes to serving the Lord and serving Him in whatever way He's called us, especially when it comes to the body of Christ because there's nothing, there's nothing more frustrating than having a grumbling spirit when you're doing the work of the Lord. The question now becomes, though, well, how, pastor, can we serve within the body of Christ and church? Well, the good news is the New Testament, I mean, I could preach to you for hours about that, but we're going to hone in on just a few this morning from the New Testament. The first one, you can serve through your spiritual gifts. What do I mean by that? Well, each one of us, according to 1 Corinthians 12, in the verse, we're given a different gift a different spiritual gift let's look at verses four to seven where it says now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of service but the same lord and there are varieties of activities but it is the same god who empowers them 
all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we all have one thing in common. We all have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good, to bring unity to the body of Christ, to share the love of Jesus, to reach the lost. But then if you go into verses 8 and 12, Paul's, he lays out a list of many different types of spiritual gifts. Tongues, prophecies, um, discernment, healing, you name it. It's th there's a list there. And we need to use these gifts as a way of serving the church. They were not given to us to be kept in secret. They were used to be able to bring glory and honor and edification in the church. When we serve through the use of these gifts, we're bringing unity to the body of Christ. When they're used correctly. As we see in 1 Corinthians, the church of Corinth, they were running amok. And Paul was trying to correct them, saying, you need to get back on the tracks. If, you, if you're going to use these gifts that the Lord has given you, that the Spirit has given you, you need to do it in love. You need to do it for one united purpose. And he emphasizes the importance of unity within the body of Christ multiple times throughout different letters that he's written. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Right there, there's different people within the church that are called to different offices. But they're all doing one thing. It's to build up the body of Christ. He really drives the point home in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, where he goes in about how the body is made up of many members. But although it's one body, the members, they are there for one purpose, and that is to work together. And then he goes in to say how the, the foot cannot say, I want to be a hand, or the hand cannot say, I want to be a foot. It doesn't work that way. And here within this church, some people... You're called to different things. Some of you are called to be prayer warriors, and that is important. The Lord will use you in that way. Some of you are people. You love people. You'd be a great greeter and a smiling face to welcome people into the church. There may be some here, and I, I don't know. You may be musically gifted, and I don't know it. But if you are, it's time to come out of hiding and come see me, and, and let's get you on the platform and start um, participating in the worship team. Some of you, you have this gift of you just love technology. Even if you just can point and click, we have the opportunity for you to serve there. The big need right now, kids. We love our kids. There's opportunity for you to serve there. And the thing we need to remember is wherever you choose to fit in, like to step into an area of serving the Lord in the church, just because you pick one does not mean you are less than somebody else. The Lord has called each and every one of us to serve in different ways, but to serve for one purpose, and that purpose is for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, it concludes and says this very well. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. And now the Apostle Paul goes into questions. Are you all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. The answer to those questions is no. Not everybody possesses those gifts. Some people possess multiple. Some people only one. 
Some people, you haven't discovered what it is yet. But in time, and with the Lord's help and seeking the Lord, he will help you discover what it is. And then Paul even tells us here, but to earnestly desire the higher gifts. What does that mean? It means even the gifts that we are given, we're to continue earnestly desiring more. More. And the Lord, in his time and his will, will pour that out. And then he says, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Well, what is this excellent way of using these spiritual gifts? Using them in love. Using them in love for the expansion of the kingdom, but also for the building up of the other believers. And also for the lost as well. So the first way here is to serve the body of Christ through spiritual gifts. Paul made it clear that he didn't want the believers of the Corinthian church, even those of us today when we read this, to be uninformed when it came to these gifts. Because without the proper information and the proper context, it can bring chaos and confusion within the church and division. And that's not what we want. When the Lord moves, the Lord moves. And then it is the job of me as the pastor and through the power of the Holy Spirit to discern, was that of God? And trust me, I've been in some services where the person thought the Holy Spirit moved, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was just them and their flesh. And we don't want that. When the Holy Spirit moves with, uh, within the church, within the body of believers, we want to know without a shadow of a doubt that it is real and that it is evident at who was at, who was at work. The second way to serve the body of Christ is to serve through giving. And I know when we hear that word giving, we're like, oh no. But bear with me. Yes, we can give through our tithes and our offerings, but we can also give of our time, our talents, and our energy. First, though, we need to understand that giving financially, that is important. That's a way of serving the church. And the early church, the disciples understood this concept. They understood this concept, Acts eleven twenty nine. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. At this time, they had just learned about a famine that was coming on the land. So they all together determined among themselves, okay, we're going to send some aid, some financial aid to these guys, um, to these people that are going to be affected. But notice what the verse says, according to his ability. It is very important to remember that while we are instructed to give to the Lord, the Lord also knows what our ability is. Now, I'm not saying not to give your 10%. We are, just, we are instructed in the Bible to do that. But then there's this, idea, there's this concept of anything above that is offerings. Some of us, we are blessed, and the Lord blesses us abundantly to be able to give very like, openly and freely in offerings. Some of us, it's a stretch for us to give above the 10%. But it says right here, according to his ability. The Lord does not care about how much you are giving. He cares about your heart, the attitude of which you give it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, through 7, it's actually on the offering envelopes. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And I would venture to say that this verse, it not only applies financially, but it also applies to the giving of our time and our talents and our energy. 
Because like I said, there's nothing more frustrating when somebody says, Pastor, I'd like to serve the church in this way. And then as they're serving, they're grumbling and complaining. Oh, well, this is... No. A cheerful giver. When it comes to serving within the church, it's just as important to be cheerful with our time and our talent and energy. And here's the deal. For some of you sitting here, for the older generation, you may be like, well, Pastor, I'm, like, I'm beyond giving of my time, talent, and energy. The younger generation would run laps around me. Yeah, that may be true, but here's the deal. From the older generation, there is wisdom, there is experience, and there is knowledge that can be imparted to the younger generation. These children are starting to ask questions. Some questions that, yes, us the parents can answer, but they would be better answered in a setting suited to them. My two-year-old daughter just yesterday afternoon walked into my office, Ashley was sitting there, and looks at her and goes, Mommy, where's the kids' class? When I heard that, that broke my heart. I was like, we have four kids in this church right now that are the next generation. They're going to carry the torch for us. But we're doing them a disservice right now by not getting them downstairs. And there are some people here this morning, and I feel strongly the Holy Spirit laying this on my heart. There are some pe people here this morning, you have the gift, you have the, the energy and the time to give to just aiding and helping these kids. Consider this your invitation. The invitation's been given over and over, but consider this the invitation. Let the Holy Spirit resonate that with you and take that step and say, Lord, I'm willing to give. And all we're asking is we're asking for out of the year, six months. And even at that, we'd be willing to even flex with that. If you're like, Lord, I can only give a little bit of time, that's okay. That is okay. The heart right now and the push of this church is to see the lost, the younger generation, the families come in. But the thing is, we need people who are willing to step up and serve in that capacity. And that is the push behind this Easter egg hunt. I know some people are looking at me like, Pastor, you may not have anybody show up. That's all right. We may have 100 kids show up. All that matters is that we are stepping out and faith saying, Lord, we are willing to serve you. We are willing to do this for your kingdom no matter what the outcome is. Remember something. Christ himself came to serve, not to be served. Scripture tells us even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I said it earlier in the message, but I'm going to repeat it. We don't have those, and we don't want to have groups of people who serve and people who watch. We don't want to become sanctified spectators who just come and say, well, the rest of you do it while we sit back and watch. It's time for us to take action and find a way to serve the church, whatever that is. And like I said, multiple ways. And just because you pick one does not mean you are less than somebody else. You're following the Holy Spirit. And as long as you are obedient and listening to God, that is all that matters in the end. Now when it comes to the evidence of love as a way of service, we looked at how spiritual gifts and giving of our time and finances are a way to serve the body of Christ. This last one, this is a big one, is serving by helping physical needs by being involved 
in the Lord's work. Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. John 12, 2. We see that they're having a dinner for Jesus. It says, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus, Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. We see in, he, in Hebrews 13, 16, that the sacrifices we make to serve the Lord, they are pleasing to God. Then we see in Hebrews 6.10 that as believers, as saved individuals, one of the ways we respond in Christian love is through serving. And then guess what? God will honor you for that service. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. When it comes to the work of the ministry within this church, within the church, we are all called to devote ourselves to it. And that word devote, that stuck out to me. So we're going to take a moment, we're going to dive into this. According to many commentaries, the root meaning of the word devote or devoted is addicted. So with that in mind, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 16, 15 and remove the word devoted and put addicted in there. So we read here, now I urge you brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts to Achaia and that they had and that they have addicted themselves to the service of the saints. Let that last part of the verse sink in. They have ad addicted themselves to the service of the saints. Not only has this family done that, but we also can see very clearly that Paul has done this as well. Because if you think about it, the more you read and study Paul, the man was always on a mission. He was always out preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel, winning the lost. Romans 15, 25, he tells them, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. He's on the move. And I can only imagine for Paul what he felt if there was a few days that went by where he wasn't able to preach the word of God or be involved in doing God's work. The man probably felt like he was on withdrawal or something. So when it comes to addiction, the word addicted what is the first thing that comes to your mind? I know what comes to my mind. First thing that comes to my mind is drug addiction. I've seen it firsthand in a cousin of mine. I've seen it firsthand in some guys that I went to college with, but then saw the result of them turning their life over to Christ. So when I thought about it, I'm like, well, this is, this is crazy, but all right, so you think of drug addiction. There's three words that if you asked any medical professional, they would probably come to the agreement of three different words that can be used for uh, drug addiction. And those are habit, tolerance, and dependence. Let's break those down a little bit. And then you're gonna think I'm crazy. We're gonna take those and we're gonna roll those over into our relationship with God and serving the Lord. I know I'm crazy, but go on this ride with me for a second. First, we have habit, which is an overpowering desire or compulsion to do something. Obviously, in the case that we're talking about right now, that would be the need to take drugs. First, it becomes a habit, which is a tremendous desire and a compulsion to take this thing. And here's the, here's the deal. Most drug addicts will do whatever the cost is to get them. Second, you have tolerance. Well, as you keep taking the drug, your body's responsiveness decreases because you're tolerating it more. 
Did you have to keep taking more? Well, second, you move into this tolerance, but now you have to most likely up what you're doing. Move from whatever, it, whatever drug it is to a different type of drug, and then before you know it, your body's built a tolerance to that, and it becomes this vicious cycle. Now, dependence. This is best described as a psychic, psychological, physical dependence on the effects of the drug in order to function normally. So let's put it all together. You've got a habit, an overpowering desire that you'll take any cost to fulfill. You've got tolerance, which means the more you do it, the more you have to do, and you have to increase the doses. And finally, you have dependence. You can't function normally unless you have it. Now keep in mind, you could put multiple things into this. You could put alcohol into this. You could put cigarettes into this. You could put pornography into this. Gambling. They all fit into this to some degree. But where we're going to go with this now is, well, let's look at how a habit, tolerance, and dependence come over and relate into our service to the Lord. First, if you want to know whether you're like the house of Stephanus, ask yourself this. Do I have an overpowering desire and compulsion to do, to do the Lord's work that I'll pay any price in order to get it done? Because if you think about it, in the day and age they were living in, they knew that being a Christian could come with a cost, a cost of their life. If you, if you answer no to this, well, then you're not addicted. Second, do you find the more of the Lord's work you do, the more frustrated you become when you start to realize that there's more work to be done and greater things are not being done to get that work done. I can relate to that. I grew up in the church, and I always saw the church as just, well, you've got the church and you've got the believers in it. But then I grew up, went off to Bible college, stepped into ministry, and it became very evident the work of the Lord goes beyond the four walls. It goes even beyond the communities we live in. And when I started to realize that there's stuff that needs to be done, people that need to be reached, and they're not being reached, that breaks my heart. And the things that we do from this church, we do outreaches in ways to make impacts on the community. And the heartbreaking thing is, yes, it makes an impact to some degree, but there's still more that can be done. And that breaks my heart because there's more that I want to do. Yes, preaching on Sunday to you folks is wonderful, and I love it. I love bringing the Word of God. I love leading worship. I love getting the different things around this church done that the Lord um, puts on my heart. But at the same time, there's that part of me, this tolerance to the Lord's work, that is like, I need more. I want more. Like, I want to reach the lost. I want to see people come into this building, get saved, walk with them in that journey. The more addicted I am to the Lord's work, the more I want to reach out further for more of it. The further you get into his work, the more you realize there's a lot that still needs to be done. Now, finally, dependence in respect to the Lord's work. It should be a place where in order to, like, even function normally, You've got to be doing something for the Lord. Like, I don't mean, don't get the jitters. That's a little weird. But if, like, a couple days go by and you haven't, like, witnessed to somebody or shared the love of Christ with somebody or even, like, shared something with somebody, you should be like, Lord, what's going on? Like, help me. Help me to get back to that. 
I like I want to be in the thick of it. My prayer is that we become so addicted and devoted to the Lord's work that it becomes a habit, that it becomes to this level of tolerance where we need to push for more, where we're like, we can do more. I was thinking about it. We filled 50 shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. And I joked with you all and said, we're going to push that limit this year. And we are, because there's more. There's more that can be done. And finally, I hope that we become so dependent that if we're not involved in the Lord's work, we are just biting at the bit looking for ways to get involved. To where my phone is ringing off the hook and people are being like, Pastor, is there anything I can do? Like, what's the next outreach we're doing? Like, is there a way I can get involved? Because there is so much more that can be done. I believe with all my heart that if there is the love of Christ alive in this church, we're going to see a whole lot of people devoted and addicted to doing the Lord's work. So as I bring this message to a close this morning, my prayer is that if you have been questioning yourself on ways you can display service to the body of Christ, allow the Lord to speak to you in your prayers. Don't just say the normal prayer. Leave some space in there and be like, Lord, I've got this desire and I'm looking for a way to serve you within the church. What is it? He'll reveal it to you. He'll speak it to you. And if you aren't sure if what the Lord has put on your heart is possible, I've got something to tell you. If the Lord puts it on your heart, it's possible. It is possible. And if you still don't think it's possible, come and see me. I'll reassure you and help you. Because I know it can be scary sometimes what the Lord puts on our heart. Like, that is not even going to be possible. And the Lord's like, well, why did I put it on your heart if it's not possible? It may start out as something big and grand. It may start out as something small, but that's okay because it can grow into something. What the Lord is looking for, he's looking for us to take that self-initiative, to take that step of faith and trust him. Currently within this church, we have multiple different ways you can serve. Take that step of faith. I'm not going to go through the list again, but take that step of faith and be like, Lord, this is what I want to do. Mike, if you want to come up and get ready for the last song. So we went through these three different ways, the spiritual gifts. And like I said, some of us were gifted with many. Some of us are gifted with one. Some of us, we don't know what it is. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep searching the word. He will tell you. He will confirm it to you. And if you're still unsure, there is actually a spiritual gift assessment that I can point you to. And the results will shock you. To the point to where you're like, whoa. So there's all sorts of, and then keep desiring more. If you aren't sure what your spiritual gifting is, just ask the Lord. And then when it comes to giving, yes, both fi finances is 100% important. We got to keep the lights on somehow. But then we also need people who are cheerfully giving of their time, their talent, and their energy to help move the kingdom of God forward. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says it this way, this final verse. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Whatever it is you choose to serve, if you come to me and say, Pastor, I'd like to mow the lawn, guess what? That's not going to be in vain. Vacuuming the floors, not in vain. Everything we do for the Lord, it's not in vain. 
Just remember to be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do. And Lord, I pray right now that you would just begin to speak to hearts, stir that desire to serve your kingdom and start putting those burdens on people's hearts. Lord, whatever that is, Lord, it may be something that they have served in in the past and it's just renewed. Lord, it may be something new. And they're like, how is that possible? Lord, I pray you'd give them the peace, the strength, the excitement for it. And that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would see people rise up into positions of service in this church to move forward. We thank you for it. 